0: ar-Rahim. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I think I have triple level of happiness. First, happy birthday to Singapore for the birth, birth, birthday I have to say. Second, happy Eid, and finally, I'm very personally happy to be here again after two years. And I didn't know I lost my job. Still, I am deputy Foreign minister. So, but my presence here is not uh, official. So. I start usually by a joke to distance from the official line. Because when you are in the official line, or you are an ambassador with due respect to all ambassadors, including Ambassador Ong, uh, who uh, played a critical role in bringing me twice to Singapore. Uh, I think he knows my joke. But the joke is just for telling you that what I say today is my personal view, and it's not the official one. And the joke is saying, "Do you know what's the difference between a camel, an ambassador, and a think tanker?" We are all think tankers here. And the answer is, a camel can work and uh, not drink for a month, and nothing will happen. You know, in the deserts, this is the case. And an ambassador, of course it's a joke, can drink for a month and not work, and nothing will happen. And all think tankers, professors, uh, scholars, they can go to conferences in August, you know. So, uh, have papers, policy, advises, and nothing will happen. So <laughs> <laughs> this is the case. Now let me go to my, main topic, that is, where are we headed? This is the question, but I think answering this question requires a much deeper level of what I call fast food analysis, going beyond the headlines, and to see how we can understand the dynamism of the situation. And uh, being a professor, I like conceptual frameworks, and. I have developed a conceptual framework for answering this question, to understand dynamism. What shall we do? And studying the United States, uh, especially in August, I do remember AAA, AAA United States American Automobile Association. But I use that AAA for my conceptual framework, and I talk about analytical frame first. Second, about attitudinal frame attitudes and how they relate to our frame, and third, about actorship frame. These are triple A's that I use, and at the end, I have of course my prescription again, triple A, which I discuss later. Now, why we are here today, as we are, uh, I mean, as we see the situation. I think it needs a much deeper level of understanding. Iranian-U.S. relationship cannot be understood just by Trump or what's going on in, in the Persian Gulf today. Though th- these elements are parcels of a bigger picture, how to understand the Iranian-U.S. relationship? At least three baskets of concepts are needed. First, I call them a structural basket. Past matters. This is Number one. Number two is place. You are talking about the Middle East. West Asia, a geopolitical landscape of so much significance. And third P is, of course, power. Iran is a genuine regional power, no doubt about it, and the US is a global power. And I think this structural basket it's so important in understanding dynamism of Iranian-U.S. relationship. Past cannot be deleted. The second basket is more of human agency nature. That is, personalities matter, number one. Second, people, this relationship is about people. Also, when sanctions are put on the ordinary Iranians, ordinary Iranians are punished. For what, because they have been abiding to JCPA or other issues which relate to the people. But number three in the second, bas- in second basket is perception. This relationship is about perception. And I think perception is very important, uh, is at the center of this whole picture. The third basket where, Analytically, we can understand the Iranian-U.S. relationship is where the structure and human agency uh, really merge, and that is, number one, polity, second is politics. U.S.-Iran relationship is a matter of domestic politics in the United States. It's not just a matter of international relations. It is a matter of regional politics. It is not just about the foreign policy of one country to the other. And finally, it it is about policies. Usually U.S. policy during the last 40 years have been hostile to Iran and having a discussion and debate on policy levels on three lines of policy. One is containment, second is engagement, and finally is regime change. So when I put all this, Baskets, which require much more detailed discussion. Today, I see at the core of this analytical picture, the President of the United States, Trump and his team. The Bolton, Pompeo, and the gangs, different gangs who are helping them, and the players in the region have significant role. They are more important in this picture, and they have to be taken more seriously when you analyze. The push factor and pull factor among them is very important. And I think at the core of all this uh, presidency and uh, the team, what is important is the attitude. This is where I come to my second concept uh, or frame, that is attitudinal frame. I think attitudes matter. Assumptions matter. How you start matter about uh, the others. Here, what you have is obviously maximum pressure. For what? Maximum pressure to bring Iran to the table. Iran was on the table because Iran signed JCPOA. Maximum pressure for what? I want to be a little... Uh, discussing this issue on, from different angles. Uh, I think more important, the maximum pressure in this attitude is an argument that maybe the decision of Trump to withdraw from JCPOA may relate to the issue of race. There is a racial dimension, maybe. Why? Because Obama signed it, and Obama was not the same color. And we know race matters today. We don't believe in races and their superiority, but some believe. So in that case, Iran or JCPO is a victim of racial attitudes, domestic politics in the United States, maximum pressure because somebody else signed this, and I have to change it. The second point is about this maximum pressure is based on a mechanical understanding of reality. I think it comes mostly from physics. In physics, when you add pressure, you can predict what will happen. But when you talk about human societies, it's of a different nature. You pressure, but you will see a different picture than what you expected. Look at the American invasion of Iraq. It was supposed to bring democracy to the region. Now they complain that Iranian influence in the region has been augmented because of the American invasion. Is it true or not? This is another matter, but we have law of unintended consequences. Maximum pressure has not changed Iranian position because the attitude that this policy is based upon is erroneous as wrong. Furthermore, I think that the attitude has a, another problematic that is overestimating yourself and, and underestimating the other side. It is a component of this policy which should be really deserved and discussed. You think you are omnipotent, and the other, po- uh, the other side, though in its asymmetrical power relationship maybe, but is, is not powerful or doesn't have any means. And I think this is also a fallacy in this whole attitude. So if you want to understand the Iranian-US relationship, You have to take into account the attitudes and, of course, the role of actors which have some connectivity with uh, these attitudes. Now let me go to my third frame that is about actorship. I think U.S.-Iran relationship has so many actors in it. So it is a very crowded actorship. But three sets of actors are more important. First, I think, is the United States. I call it a confused actorship, a very confused and contradictory actorship. Suppose that you are an analyst in Tehran and you receive these different pronouncements, messages, uh, framing of United States. Is United States for regime change in Iran? You see signs, yes? Of course it's impossible because we don't depend on United States. It has been their wish, a strategic wish from the beginning of revolution. But is it a matter of machinery of uh, policy implementation or is it for diplomacy, for negotiation? How you can be for diplomacy and negotiation and a deal and then you uh, sanction the foreign minister? Maybe the first time you see, so it's a contradiction. It's a confusion. It's maximum. It's not maximum pressure. Maximum confusion. Maximum contradiction. Is it the United States? Uh, is it just? I mean, Trump. Now everybody is talking that Trump is not for war. For what? What is he for? I have the answer. Taking a picture with an Iranian official. Ah, it would satisfy him that he could bring an Iranian. This is the, uh, a very, let's say, interesting uh, discussion that why uh, Foreign Minister Zarif was sanctioned. He was asked to come to the White House when he was in New York three weeks ago uh, to have a talk with the president, read it, to have a picture with the president. And he was said, if you don't come, you will be sanctioned. So the confusion is for picture, for photo opportunity, for what? Is it also for the satisfaction of other players? So it's, we are not talking about, let's say, a, a, a children fiction. We are talking about the strategic lines of thinking. And you see so much confusion. Contradiction. As of course, for us, clear, it's clear that U.S. is for dominance in the region, for hegemony. But this confusion on the political level is clearly there. Now you have a second type of actorship. I call them auxiliary actorship. What do I mean by auxiliary actorship? They want to use United States auxiliary to their own goals. And they were mentioned here, some of the uh, our Arab neighbors, including Saudi Arabia, they want the United States to fight their cause. Israel, uh, the same. And what's their cause? To weaken Iran, to weaken Iran by, let's say, their, by the utility of United States. And they have some impact. Some of them are financial actorship. Some of them are intelligence actorship. I mean, you have these type of uh, actors in the scene. Let me go to the third actor. That is Iran. A defensive actorship. We are defending our land. Because we feel even not just the political system, We see the U.S. policies, Mr. Bolton is a leverager, is whatever he is, he is for not just regime change. He is, as Pompeo said, Pompeo said, smashing Iran. It means even attacking the territorial integrity of Iran. Is he for war or he's not, but the intention is for not just weakening Iran, It it goes beyond that. At least, strategically, we have to think in that level. And this is why we defend. We defend with all means. Our land has been preserved not easily. Everybody knows that Iran is (coughs) a historical ancient nation. But why we have survived and the others have not? because we have been a staunch defender of our country and culture, and we remain so. And what we do today is absolutely 100% defensive. We negotiated for more than two and a half years with six players, five plus one, within the United Nations frame of diplomacy. Did we did anything wrong, that we should be sanctioned? So if you are an Iranian, what would you read from this whole strategic picture? This is where I think the issue becomes very complicated and when you are on the defensive, and Iran has been on the defense during the last four decades. Look at Iran-Iraq war. Who started the war? Who supported the war? The Iraqi side. And sanctions. Sanctions are against the people. I think sanctions. We know the sanctions. Psychology of the sanctions. U.S. has an addiction to sanction, but there is enough literature on the sanctions that the U.S. has pursued. So. I think these frames that I provided may explain much better than the uh, the headlines, mentality, or fast food analysis that we hear and there. That is, analytical frame of dynamism of this relationship. Second is the attitudinal problem or frame. And finally, the actorship. So the dynamism has created the situation as it is today. What shall we do? And what is the remedy? Here I have again AAA, but not American Automobile Association. Uh, Very quickly, uh, you know, I'm actually very uh, impressed that during August in a conference that number of people are attending, you know, because an American professor was asked why did you choose to be a professor? He said three reasons, June, July, August, you know. August, such number of people, I mean, it's, it's uh, so interesting. Now, let me go again to August, AAA. A, uh, what's the solution? A, number one, assumptions should be changed. This is at the core of the issue. Assumptions that pressures, you know, simplification, equating Iranian uh, society with a couple of sentences or a statement, I think these are wrong. Iran is not a simple country. And no country is simple. You cannot assume a country with so much complexity with a couple of notions that you like to see you know what is one of the artif- craft of Iran is carpet, Iranian carpet, and it's actually once I told the former Secretary General of the United Nations when he visited Iran and he had a lecture for a student and he was very simplistic on Iran and I said, look, and he, of course he praised Iranian carpets and poetry. I said, oh, Mr. Secretary General, look, Iranian carpets are made of millions of knots, millions of knots. But at the end, they are very beautiful. So this is the reflection of a complex society, which is highly proud of what it has achieved, and its existence, its culture, its uh, land, and region, and uh, revolution, and whatever you may uh, call within the national frame. So assumptions need to be deconstructed and changed. Second A is acceptance, must, must be the base. You have to accept Iran as it is. Can you ignore geography? You know, all this coalition or so-called uh, grouping about the Persian Gulf, let's say, uh, uh, escorting, whatever, all of them ignore that Iran has the northern part of the Persian Gulf. They don't want to accept that Iran is the most important player, coastal player in the Persian Gulf. Acceptance of the Iranian revolution, acceptance of the Islamic Republic of Iran as a political system, acceptance of its legitimate security interests. I think this is at the core of the issue. And my f- Final uh, A is arrangements can be considered for the Persian Gulf security, I mean. How? First of all, bilateral. We have a good bilateral, excellent bilateral relationship with Oman, and the Strait of uh, Hormuz is Iran and Oman. We have bilateral relationship with some of the other, Persian Gulf Arab states, so bilaterals are very important. Our foreign minister was in Qatar yesterday. So bilaterals are key for not just reducing reducing the tensions, but also managing more broader uh, interactions. And I think there are other arrangements that is of multilateral nature. We can work on multilateral arrangements. Actually, on the bilateral, let me add one more, then go to multilateral. On bilateral, we have offered non-aggression pacts, not once, many times. And finally, on thing on the multilateral, we have right now a multilateral frame on uh, authorized by Security Council of United Nations, that is Resolution five nine eight, which ended the Iran Iraq War thirty years ago. It's operative program number eight authorises Secretary General to organise dialogue for regional interaction. So it's there. And let me refer to you that making the Persian Gulf military crowded is not contributing to peace and security of Singapore and Asia. The Persian Gulf was very secure when JCPO was signed. American withdrawal of JCPO is the source of insecurity and instability. So the solution is clear that multilateral frames can be used for, uh, as we have it, like as I said, resolution 598, operative program number uh, 8. Persian Gulf during the last five centuries have been the most internationalized, uh, let's say, place on the Earth. But this is, as a student of the field I'm reporting to you, International factors have not contributed to the security. Portuguese and uh, uh, Spanish forces five centuries ago fought together here in the Persian Gulf. They didn't contribute to the business security. They brought their rivalries here. British Empire, um, and we had other European, I don't want to good history. We had British uh, presence here. Now what you see, not just in the Persian Gulf, in the subcontinent, in Asia, you see the imprint of British uh, imperialism negatively impacting daily lives. And you see the American presence during the last few decades have created more wars. Look at the invasion of Iraq, invasion of Afghanistan, So this is our belief that we are able to secure the Persian Gulf by our own uh, literal states who are there. Because our security, peace and security, depends on the security of the Persian Gulf. So to sum up what I said, along with the joke that you would remember more. about ambassadors and camels and think tankers. But I think I tried to answer one question that how we can understand the dynamism today. And I said it is a deeper level needed. That is the uh, analytical frame in which a structural basket, human agency basket, and where these three measures, measures are important and that at the core of this is how The president and his team look at Iran. And then I came to the attitudinal factor frame and discussed a little bit on this issue and uh, showed to you, uh, hopefully, that attitudes matter. And they have wrong attitudes. And finally, I I discussed the actors. And may I say, don't take Iran and Iranian actorship lightly. Iran is a serious actor, as has proven during the last four decades. And its security is very central and pivotal to this actorship. And now what we can do? Change the assumptions. Correct the assumptions. Accept realities as it is, or as they are. And arrangements can be looked bilaterally and multilaterally. So I think I acted as a professor who is not more interested in anything than concepts. And concepts can really give us a better picture of the realities. And I thank you so much.